it's that time of the week again. It's time for Chit Chat Across the Pond. This is episode number 529 for March 3rd, 2018, and I'm your host, Allison Sheridan. This week, Bart Bouchatz is back with Programming by Stealth, episode 51 of X, coming to you from snowy Ireland. Yeah, the, the thaw has begun, but I think it's going to be a while. Our street is... it's. It's been above freezing for about 14 hours now, and our street is still impassable. Wow. And and when is the last time it snowed like this in Ireland? Apparently 1982, but I didn't move here till 84 at the grand age of four. Wow. So, so when you were two I years old was the last time it snowed like this. Yeah. This is nuts. And th- th- do you know what gets me? Right? It makes me so cranky. There are people actually complaining. I mean, the government are useless. I mean, how were they not prepared for this? <laughs> It happens every 36 years. If they bought all the snow plows and left them gathering dust, you'd complain they were wasting money. Not to mention they'd be all rusty and all the seals. Yeah, would they start? Of, yeah. The seals would have been uh, crapped out and everything. Yeah, that thing we use once every three decades. You think it'll start first turn of the key in the middle of a cold snap? <laughs> exactly, exactly. So, uh, but uh, logic. What's that got to do with anything? I, I just got to ask one thing. Did you go out and make a snow angel? No. Oh, Bart. Because lost. There were a few people did it. It was so arctic. I mean, it wasn't just snow. It was freezing snow in a driving wind. And so it was really compacted. And I'm pretty sure I would have broke my coccyx if I had jumped down on it. <laughs> I did that once. I was uh, in a, a jacuzzi and there's this thing where you're supposed to jump out of the jacuzzi and fling yourself back into the powdery snow. And I did it, only it turned out it was all ice right behind me. Uh-huh. So just like that, but anyway, yeah, we, we, yeah. Anyway, yes, we yes. should probably get get stuck in here. What's our uh, What's our agenda for today, Bart? Our agenda for today is basically to wrap up our cellular automata. So you're about to head off traveling and being all adventurous. Uh-huh. Um, and we're sort of there were one or two other things we could have done at the cellular automata, but um, I don't think there would have been all that you know, enlightening, and I'll probably just do them myself and release them onto GitHub just to round out the project and to make it into a 1.0 thing. Uh-huh. Um, but I figure it's actually a good time to just wrap things up, um, and then when you come back, because we're going to be in a hiatus then, because you're away, uh, and so when we come back, we can start fresh, um, and I sort of think of the web as a three-legged stool. You have your HTML, your CSS, and your JavaScript, and we have given... A lot, a lot, a lot of attention to the JavaScript leg the last while. So I think it's about time we spent a little bit of time with the other two legs before we we put too much weight back on the JavaScript leg. Okay. So what I'm thinking of for when you get back is that we break into Bootstrap and we start making web pages not look ugly by default. And it, it would kind of be oh. nice that they didn't look ugly. <laughs> what is Bootstrap? So Bootstrap is. It's it's effectively a whole bunch of CSS that someone else has written for you. Oh, so sort of like so, using JavaScript libraries helps us do things easier in JavaScript? Exactly. So in this case, it's a bunch of CSS classes that have been written. So you basically include uh, their .css file in your header, and then all of these classes are defined for you. And you can use those classes to do all sorts of things like, you know, make those nice tables where it's a checkerboard pattern where every every row is a different color. And whenever you hover over it, it changes, you know, it, oh. it highlights it. And you get all of these kind of things for free. And what you also get for free is um, a really powerful uh, grid layout 
where you can basically say, make this div four columns wide and make this one three columns wide and make this one two columns wide and make this go under that and make this go around here. And it's just, it's a really nice way to lay out web pages. And that's already amazing. And then it has built in for free, one of its main reasons for existing is it it's responsive. So oh, you can nice. say, if the screen is a phone screen, then put this all as one giant big long column. If they're on the desktop, make it three columns wide. Uh, cool. Yeah, so it is really cool, and it has the advantage of being very visual and very rewarding. So I figure we'll, we'll do that for a bit, and then we'll get get back into the weeds. So you know Allison likes some instant gratification. It sounds like it'll be like, type this. Ooh, look what happened. Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> and the nice thing is once we have that in our pocket, we'll be able to have more fun with the JavaScript stuff too, because it's okay. kind of been... It's kind of been annoying me that I'm having to look at all these ugly pages because all of the stuff I'm used to saying, yeah, I'll let Bootstrap do that. And it's like, no, can't let Bootstrap do that. We haven't come across that little you know, charming fellow yet. Okay. Well, um, oh. I certainly have learned a lot with the cellular automata, but uh, it, it's, it's, been a, it's been a cliff to climb, I got to tell you. Yeah, it, I mean, it, 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 yeah, it's a real world project, right? Yeah. It's, it's not makey-uppy. <laughs> it's not pretend, right? It's, I mean, it's, yeah, it's, it's real. I know. Um, I'm going to prove this. that to you, actually. Okay, good. I, I do want to give one last shout out uh, on this that uh, Dorothy carried me as far as I would go. <laughs> I made it to the beginning of uh, part three, but in 10 hours of work with her side by side with me, it's uh, that's how far I got. So, uh, But I do want to give a shout out to her because she's very, very patient with me and helping me. Cool. And very clever. Thank you, Dorothy. <laughs> um. So we're going to finish up today. So we're going to go through the sample solution to the challenge that was set. And then we're going to finish up by actually using these prototypes we spent so long working on to build three completely different cellular automata. So we've been only using the game of life as our example because it's, it's, a, it's a good example. But that's an example. That's not, that's, the game of life is not cellular automata. The game of life is a golden retriever and a cellular automata also encapsulates dash hunts and great danes and hmm. if you get what I mean. So the game of life is a Ford Transit and our classes are car. Okay. So it's, a, it's a van. So we're going to make three different cellular automata using our prototypes. I'm going to use them from the point of view of someone who did not write them, someone who went to GitHub, downloaded them and then wants to use them. Because that's hmm. ultimately what you're trying to achieve when you're writing in a library. That, so, you know, the idea is that you take all of the all of the smarts needed to do a cellular automata and you wrap them up into one.js file and you present it out as one class and then people can use that to do cool stuff without having to know how you did it. Right, so you've wrapped up all the functionality into your prototypes and they then just use your prototype. So when you use jQuery, you don't know how jQuery works. You've no idea how it was written. It doesn't matter. Well, we're going to do the same with our cellular automata. So we're going to look at them from the other side of the table. Oh, that sounds fun. Let me ask you a question. What's an example mm -hmm. of something you would do with a cellular automata that is not the game of life? Yeah, we're going to see two. We're going to see one called Maze and one called Brian's Brain. But there are hundreds of thousands of them. Hmm. Right. Okay. Okay. Well, let's, let's, let's start with, with a little recap. Um, since we discovered, actually, that uh, the word revise is one of those cultural differences. Yeah, yeah. I, I wrote Bart a note. Um, I had never mentioned it before because I understood what he meant in context. But when he says revision, 
he means going back over something to study it, to learn it better. And in the United States, at least revision means you're changing something. So I've written this, uh, this report, but then I found out I made a mistake and I'm going to go back and, or I've got new information. I'm going to go back and revise. It means to change it. I'm not studying it again. I'm, I'm actually changing it. So two different, uh, definitions. Now we sort of use both, but one of them would be very much seen as a corporate speak word, which I guess is because we have American multinationals here bringing the American definition over. Okay. And then the education definition here is very, 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 very strong. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it made sense in context, but it was just kind of fun. Bart and I love the little cultural differences we figured out over the years. My favorite of all time. I sort of thought we'd found them. Yeah, I sort of (laughs) thought we'd we'd got them all. But no, there was another one. (laughs) My favorite of all time has to be with Rose from Australia when she came to our house and was confused by our light switches. Because in Australia, up is, is off and down is on. And they're, they're the wrong way around in Belgium as well compared to Ireland. And it oh, see, I thought it was because they were below the equator. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, because dad doesn't seem to know what he's doing anymore. So in our house in Ireland, half of them are the Belgian way and half of them are the Irish way. So it's just potluck. <laughs> <laughs> we have a lot of three-way switches where you get two switches in one room, which I don't know why it's called three-way. But anyway, whichever way you go to it, it's going to be backwards. when you It's get wrong. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This anyway. switch light switches. Okay. So let's... Since this is a wrap-up, let's start at the start and work our way through. So, conceptually, what is a cellular automaton? It is a grid, a two-dimensional grid of cells, each cell of which is in exactly one of a finite set of states. A cellular automaton moves from a current state to a next state in lockstep. That is to say, all the cells are in state one, and then all the cells move into their next state together. And then they move into their next state. And then they move into their next state. So they all step forward like a marching army. You know, ka-tunk, ka-tunk. Mm-hmm. And that's all... Okay. How they decide on their next state. So how do you decide, how do I go from my current state to my next state? And what are the possible states? Those are variable. So when you're making an actual cellular automaton, you have to choose. You have to say, for this cellular automaton over here, there will be two states or four states or eight states or 16 states or three states, whatever. And you have to decide for this specific cellular automaton over here, there will be this set of rules for moving from the current state to the next state. So the only thing that's really set in stone is that you have this grid of cells. Each cell, you have a grid of cells, you have a set of states, and you have a set of rules. And the only input the rules get is the current state of the cell and the current state of the cell's neighbors. And literally everything else is up to the person building the cellular automaton to the side. So the game of life is an example where Conway, the mathematician, chose that he would have a two-state cellular automaton and he chose to call those states dead and alive. That's a choice for his specific cellular automaton. He chose a set of rules for how you get from one state to the next. He chose four. Any live cell with fewer than two live neighbors dies. Any live cell with two or three live neighbors lives on. Any live cell with more than three live neighbors dies. And any dead cell with exactly three live neighbors becomes a live cell. So are you seeing the difference between what is cellular automaton and what is game of life? Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, I I could have one that has five different condi- or five different uh, states and yep. i could simply say my rules are every other row is black and every other row is white or you know black gray green orange and yellow and then i could have then they all flip to something else 
you- but they stay in rows or you know do something completely different yeah yeah exactly so you get to decide what rules go into into yeah so what states there are and what rules there are now so that's the abstract concept of a serotomata now and actually to you to, to build one and actually to see one you need one more piece of changeable thing you need some sort of rule that says how do i display every state so if an automaton has alive and dead, you need some sort of rule that says alive will be green or alive will be a plus symbol or alive will be uh, some emoji of your choice. You need some sort of rule to say what alive will look like and some sort of rule to say what dead will look like because otherwise you don't actually have a, a, a usable <laughs> cellular automaton. Right. So that, again, is entirely up to you. So that's, again, another, another moving part. It's not, you know, they don't all have to be red and green. It's, you, you get to choose. So when we were building our cellular automata, we chose to represent the abstract concept using three prototypes. We had one to represent the automaton as a whole, which we called bartificer.ca.automaton. We chose one to represent a single cell, which is bartificer.ca.cell. And we chose one to represent each state, bartificer.ca.state. We then chose to name the collection of rules for going from one state to the next, a step function. And we chose to name the set of rules for how you color it in, a render function. I'm with you so far. You're with me so far. I am. <laughs> well, that's, that's, that's literally all we've done. That, that's actually what we've, what we've done. Um, we, we had to do a little bit of practical stuff like using jQuery to represent each cell as a cell in a table and you know because otherwise it doesn't physically appear on the page. But ultimately, that, all we've done is made those three prototypes. There's obviously relationships there. So an automaton contains many cells. A cell has one state. And the automaton as a whole has many states. As in, in the case of Game of Life, it has two. And oh, each individual right. cell has one at any given point in time. Yeah, yes. I, I yeah, yeah. Believe it or not, I I did get a little confused on that on the uh, in doing the homework because it was saying no. One of the conditions was that nothing could have the same state, and I'm thinking, well, wait a minute. Then I can only have two cells. But what you right. meant was that the two states can't be the same. Right. Exactly. So the collection of all the universe of all allowed states shouldn't contain duplicates. Yeah, because that's not. But it didn't two, say allowed one. states. It said states. And and I was like, well, wait a minute, but more than one cell has the same state. That's why I got confused on. But Dorothy helped me. Cool. So at the point we left our story last time, at the point we had left our code, um, it was working. But what it didn't have yet, what was what was missing from the... Um, so you have the abstract concept and then you have our implementation of that concept in code. Our implementation was incomplete. It functioned, assuming you didn't go near the edge. So what we hadn't captured in our code was this list of allowed states. And because we hadn't captured the list, we definitely, definitely couldn't enforce it. How do you enforce something you know nothing about? It's like saying, dear police, enforce these laws we haven't given you. Makes no sense. So I sort of think of it as we had a mountain road with no guardrail. As long as everyone stayed on the road, our automaton worked fine. Right? If you just never gave the game of life anything but true or false, the game of life was happy enough. Or, sorry, alive or dead. <laughs> I actually, but our code was not checking if you gave 
if he gave it boogers. It, so it I, I, I care. got really mad at Dorothy at one point saying, well, why would anybody tell it anything but dead or alive? That's stupid. And she's like, well, yeah, but they might do that. And I was like, have yeah, you met but users? I don't want them to. <laughs> Mostly it was I didn't want to write if statements. Nah. So our our job for this challenge was simply to give our automaton class the ability to know what states are allowed and to make it enforce those rules that it now knows. And to do that, there was a bit of scaffolding needed. Uh, so that's why it's four parts. And the first few parts are basically building the foundation on which we can then achieve our goal. So the very first part was simply to add a function named dot equals to our state class because we're going to be comparing states to each other. Is this one of the states that it's allowed to be? You know, you've handed me a state and my automaton only allows alive and dead. Is this alive or dead? Well, I need to do a comparison. But there was no dot equals function yet, so we couldn't do that comparison. So hence, we have to write one before we can enforce the laws. So that was the easiest of the steps. But the piece right. that was missing was telling me why I was making it because I couldn't tell if it was doing anything because it wasn't connected. Anything. It was just, look, I have a function. I could have written equals, you know, console.log boogers, and it would have been a function that was called that that wouldn't have done anything. But I didn't know what it was for. And it, we don't okay, find so out until later that we're going to end up what what we're going to do with it. Okay, in our previous examples, when we were, well, I'm trying to remember what were our previous ladder prototypes, was it our date and times? We explained that dot equals is a, is a standard convention used to check if things are the no, same. No, no, so no, no, I knew what I I knew what the function does, but I didn't know why I was doing it in artificer.ca.automaton. I didn't know why the homework assignment was asking me to do it. No, I'm I'm saying in the homework description, I didn't know why. Why was I making okay. a dot equals? It just goes make a dot equals. Okay, ta-da! I did it. I okay. actually got that part. <laughs> I just okay because the, the rule for equality is extremely straightforward. If it has the same value and it has the no. same label, then it is the same state. I'm yeah. I'm so. not. I'm not communicating well at all. I know what dot equals is for. I remember doing them before. I just didn't know why I wanted one in this homework assignment. It just wasn't in the. It wasn't in the instructions. It didn't say we need a dot equals because. We're going to later on in step three do blah blah blah. That's where I was confused. Oh, okay. Oh, I, okay. That makes sense. Okay. I, I had no reason. I had no uh, motivation. <laughs> but this, making it from one to four is that not motivation enough? <laughs> it helped. Um. So it's a fairly straightforward. Um. You know, a few if statements. Basically, if the thing that we're comparing it to isn't even an instance of bartivisor.ca.state, it can't possibly be an equal state. It's not a state at all. So we just return false, and otherwise we check the value and the label. And if they're not the same as each other, we return false. And if we haven't returned false, then everything must be hunky dory fine. So we return true. There is about a million and one ways you could arrange those if statements that would work fine. Can I tell you how I, I did it? Sure. I did a ternary op- ternary operator thing. Yeah. Huh? huh? Look at me go, girl. I'm very fond of those, but I, I I try not to use them too much because it's some people make some people's heads explode. Yeah. They, they are such oh yeah they are so controversial. Anyway, <laughs> um, I didn't tell you to in the assignment, but since I was doing a complete job on this, because I'm this is I'm publishing this in GitHub anyway, I also wrote a matching test case. 
um, which is there in the show notes should you care to see it. Basically, make sure that it does actually return true when they are the same and false when they're not the same. Okay. The second part then was to do a little bit of tidying up to make space on the shelf for something we would need later. So if you have a function that takes lots and lots and lots of arguments, it becomes really difficult to remember the first one means this and the second one <laughs> means that and the third one means the other. So that wasn't just me. I, I could eventually oh, no, get no, there, no. but I had to go one, two. Wait, he put two on one line. That's two and three. Yeah. Exactly. It's it's tedious, right? And it's yeah. it's considered poor, it's considered bad practice to have more than five in any function. Right. It's called, we call it a bad smile when you go above five. And we were at six already. And our mission today is to add a set of allowed states to the automaton. So that means we need a seventh argument. And that really, really, really is far more than five. Like that's just that that that's too much. So a very common solution is to collapse some of the arguments into a single object, because then you can give it name-value pairs, and name-value pairs can go in any order, and they have a name and a value. So when you're looking at your code, you've got something, right? It's got a name, it's called render or whatever. Like You've got more than you would if it's just a long list of seven things without right, a name. Right. So it's considered good practice to collapse some or all of your arguments into an object. And so I decided that a very, well, it's not just I decided, a very common approach is that every argument that's mandatory that has no default value, you leave it standalone. And every argument that does have a default value that is optional, you collapse those into an object. And you call that object opts because it's optional or options. So, so that what, was the approach I you had seven things that don't change? Or don't have defaults. Well, uh, you can eventually decide to just collapse them into an object anyway and call it something other than opts. You know, okay. call it something manned. something like... <laughs> comma or manned, comma even. opts. <laughs> I've called it args. Yeah. Or named args. Uh-huh. There are actually programming languages that let you name your arguments as you call a function, and they're beautiful. But JavaScript isn't one of them, so it's no point in dwelling on that. <laughs> um, so... The first every factored constructor. Okay, so one of the things I wanted you to do was to make the render function an optional argument because that way there's one less of them that's compulsory. And yeah, I just I didn't basically said why? Why? Well, be, just to get rid of one, just to because most cellular automata are are binary. They're yes, no. I mean, they're not always called alive and dead, but they're very like a very very large subset of them have two states. And so just having the default be anything truthy, I'll render one color and everything falsy, I'll render another color and is a same really, default. And if you really want, so in order to make something optional, you have to give it a default. I don't think we knew that yeah. before going into the homework either. That's something Dorothy suggested I try doing. But I didn't know that in order to make something optional, it had to have a default. Well, that's thought, kind of the definition. No, no, of no. Optional, you could have right? something you don't have to supply at all, like the fifth, or the sixth argument. You don't have to give it the sixth one, do you? Yeah, there's default for that because otherwise the thing would fall over in a heap again. Okay, it's there's always. Yeah, but optional actually, doesn't mean there's a default in in any definition I know of. I can see why it would be necessary in this, but it could be. And if you want to sprinkle fairy dust over it, you have this other, you know, option that... Okay, well, well, and then it's not... Okay, in in the general case, it's not a true statement that everything is optional has a default then. 
Yeah. So that's why I didn't know I had to make a default. Because I thought it was optional. And optional means you don't have to give it. But I did actually explicitly say to make the default be one that renders stuff one color and the other color. You're saying you said make a default render function? I did. It didn't say that the very, very first day the show notes were up until Dorothy pointed it out to me. I went, Bart, you forgot something important here. And okay. I can't do the homework until you tell me what to do. And so I updated the oh, show notes. So okay. Thank you very much, Dorothy. Okay. And put a note in saying, thank you very much, Dorothy, actually. Because thank you very much, Dorothy. <laughs> okay. I, I know I read it the first time before she wrote that. I knew she asked you about it, but I didn't understand that that's what it was. Okay. but So she's the one who figured it out. Okay. Gotcha. Yes. So... What we basically need to do then is we need to say, so initially the code basically said, if the render function isn't there, throw new type error, the fifth argument must be a callback. So we change that to, if type of render function is undefined, if you haven't passed me anything, then the render function becomes equal to, and you make a new anonymous function that turns everything true green and everything false red. Okay. And then you have in your else statement, and if you pass me something that wasn't undefined and isn't a function, then I'm still cranky at you because you can't have a render function of buggers. You can have a, you know, either you give me a function or you give me nothing. You cannot give me an array. You cannot give me an object. You cannot give me a string. You cannot give me a number. Either nothing or a function, please, if if you get what I mean. Yeah. So we did get a little bit tangled up on where the default function needed to be. Um... And we had we ended up with it outside of the if statement because we were writing it over. But uh, I see how yours would work now. Yeah, I just did it as an anonymous function. So that way it was just, you know, didn't have to have a name. Just gets shoved in. Say it again. Where's the anonymous function? I see Line rend- two there. Render fn equals. Okay. I still can't recognize an anonymous function. Anonymous function if it bites okay. me in the if butt. the word if the letter f is the first thing on the is the first thing, then it's then it's not anonymous. Oh. And if the letter f is the first thing, then so, it is. So even though this function has a name called render function, it's anonymous. Normally, when things right. don't have names, that's when they're anonymous. Okay, but it's. <laughs> I I understand. It's convention to call it that. Well, no, we are making a function that has no name and storing a reference to it in a variable that does have a name. Which is subtly (laughs) different to a named function. Here's here's this guy. He doesn't have a name, but I'm going to tell you to call him Bob. Yeah. So whether or not he has a birth cert, I guess. (laughs) Okay. It's a good analogy as I can come up with. Okay. All right. Um... So with that little bit of prep work done, we're ready to collapse the arguments. And basically what we end up with is instead of it saying seven things, it now says exactly five. So dollar container, rows, calls, step function, and then opts. I got that far. And yeah. And I don't think we need to go through every line of this. Actually, no, you gave us that part. Well, I told you that's what it had to look like. But then to make it actually work, of course, you have to put in the other code. So I've highlighted the changed code in yellow. Um... So then you, it's just a case of basically going inside each one. So instead of saying render function, it's opts.render function because it's now inside opts. And so for each one, so you say, okay, so is opts undefined? If it is undefined, make opts an empty object. Otherwise, check to see if opts is an object. So again, you can give me an object or you can give me nothing, but you can't give me anything else. So hence we have the if opts is not equal to object, throw error. If present, the fifth argument must be a plain object. And then we just go through them one by one and we just say, 
if there is no render function, here's our default copied and pasted from before. Otherwise, use the one they gave me. This is pretty exciting. Mine looks a lot like yours. Yeah. I mean, that's basically all it is, right? No, be did you give me about one? That. You should be really excited. It's very exciting that I got that close. Unfortunately, I can't get excited today because it hurts. Oh, okay. I have a nasty sore throat. Just okay. For listeners. Well, I'll be all so excited I'm talking for more me. Quietly. In fact, it looks just like it. Oh, actually, Excellent. Maybe I copied off your paper. No, I'm reading your channel. No, you can't have, unless, no, you have no, no, unless you have a time machine you're keeping secret. No, 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 I can, because you told me to download yours. <laughs> so I was looking. Oh. It's like, okay, what are the chances it's exactly the same, Allison? I can see maybe Oh, you're looking close. right now in your code editor. Okay, yeah, yeah mine is the same <laughs> as mine. That is, that is a true statement. Dang it. I'll go see what slop I wrote that looks nothing like that. Oh, so one, once we've done our changes to, to reorder our arguments, we then have to update sample.html because otherwise when we try our little test cellular automaton, it'll fall over in a great big heap because it's passing in six arguments and it's expecting five, one of which it wants to be an object now. Right. So we just very simply rewrite it. So the fifth argument now becomes open curly brace, render function, colon, render red green, comma, initial state, colon, random state. So in other words, the same things we were passing before, but now we're passing them as named name value pairs. And I think that's easier to read. Render function, red, render red green, is easier to read than just render function. Yeah. I'm just noticing it's, something I, I, I put in that I thought was brilliant, but maybe it didn't need... Maybe you're not up to that yet. Yeah, we're not up to the next one. Never mind. Okay. Okay. So then, we've now done our preparatory work. So our, our, we have an equals function, so we can check if two states are the same. And we've reorganized our arguments so that we don't have a list of six about to become seven. So we get to keep it to five. And so now I'm saying, add a list of supported states as an instant property to the automaton. So the, so the automaton needs to be able to remember what states are allowed. And I think I said as a default to give, um, uh, to give it alive and dead. That seems like as good of a default as any. Um, and so that just means that we have to update the constructor so that it now supports an extra option. So if you scroll down, we basically have an extra, we have an extra if statement. We say if type of states triple equals undefined, we give it a default of new state true comma alive, new state false comma dead. Else, we say, well, if you didn't give me an array of states, I am cranky with you. And that's that. So in other words, we have a default again, and we have our standard, if you gave me rubbish, throw new error. Throw new type error, in fact. Um, so I don't think there's anything there that's particularly troublesome. I, I spent a long time trying to find where you were in the code, so I didn't completely follow that, but it it, it makes a fair amount of sense. I don't. Yeah, so the highlighted like lines eighty six to ninety nine. Yeah, yeah. Now I, yeah, sure. Now I found it. Um, let me just look at that one more time. So mm-hmm. you created a constant for states message. Yeah, I was copying and pasting, and that was a lot of text. So I went, I'll tell you what, I'll shove that in a variable. Yeah, if type of ops cell state is undefined, then just make a, a new one that's true. True is alive, false is dead. Yeah. Okay. I'm looking for and then the else is what you'd expect, which is basically if it's a, if it's an array and if its length is at least two, unless it's sorry, if not, is array and cell states dot length is greater than or equal to two. 
because it doesn't make sense to have a one state automaton. Like, how can anything happen if you only have one state? Yeah. Yeah? So I basically said, you have to give me two. And then we're saying, we just loop through them, and we just make sure that everything in the array is a state. And if we meet one thing that's not a state, new type error, our same message. So that same message gets thrown in different places, so that's why it's in a variable. Okay. I'm I'm stuck because on, I'm no, looking at some, well no I'm stuck because I'm looking at something I did much earlier in the code that you haven't done and I'm trying to remember why I did it but I asked or I checked to make sure that the the arguments dot length for the constructor was uh was five it didn't have to no, be five to, to, to give. well no no ops is the fifth one and that right, that needed to be in the type of ops had to be an array. So I did a test no. to make sure that ops had to be an array. But ops isn't an array. Ops is an object. Arrays are objects, Bart. <laughs> yes, but not the other way around. You're doing a test for dog, but you should be doing a test for animal. Don't know why. It's got to have a bunch of stuff in it. Right. So an, an, an object is a collection of name-value pairs. No, an object is so everything. Names... An object is everything that's not a boolean, a number, or yes, or a string. Right. An array is not. An array is a subset of that. Opts is not an array. Opts is an object. Everything's an object except a boolean, a string, or a number. That, that yes, answer yes. never means anything to me because it's right. it's like saying everything but you know it, it's air. I mean, right. Everything is an object, but not everything is an array. Object is a superset that contains the universe. Array is a subset. So by saying it has to be an array, that's completely different. Saying that everything has to be a dog is not this like So a set of name value pairs is not is not an array. No, that is the definition of an object. No, the definition of an object is everything that's not a number, a boolean, or a string. They are both definitions of, of what an object is. All objects are name value pairs. In the case of an array, the names are all numbers. The name value pairs in an array are zero and a value. So is a function an object? Yes, it is. How is a function a name value pair? Uh, Deep down under the hood, it actually has special names for the executable code and stuff. So... (laughs) And we know it has one name. It help me at all because I can think of things that aren't name value pairs as I look at them. They don't have something colon something else or comma or... They're not... And yet they're still objects. I, I think we've had this argument before. It's becoming familiar to me, but it doesn't help me to say it's an object because that doesn't define it enough. That's not as, as specific as what we need to, is what, I, what I'm trying to understand. Okay. So, what I, so this is where the concept of a plain object comes in. So a plain object is just ye olde name value pairs. Okay. So remember, the, the aim of the exercise was to have named arguments. Yeah, I don't so know you what definitely named want names. Means. I don't know what that means. Well, it means that they have a name, right? So, cell opts dot cell states. It has a name, cell states. What what doesn't have a name? What's well, it, what's the first element that... in an array. We don't call. We just call it the first element in an array. Mm. Are, yes, you can okay. say it's element zero, okay. but it's okay, not named. You. It's numbered. Okay. 
Hmm. Okay. So if you scroll back up to the example where we see the change to the HTML file, you have open curly brace, render function, colon, a value. So render function is the name, colon, the value. Initial state is the name, colon, the value. Okay. It's there's a lot of stuff in square brackets. I'm I'm not exactly sure where you are in the in the code in all the code we're looking at here, but I mean when when so, I look at something like like ops dot cell states, it's got square brackets. Yes. Square so, brackets is how you reach into an, an object. array. A square an brackets object. are how you wait a minute. Square brackets are how how you want you reach into an uh, an array. Yes, and into an object, because arrays are just objects. Square bracket does not mean array in JavaScript. It does in C, which I think is where Dorothy gets very confused sometimes, because she thinks square bracket means array. In JavaScript, square brackets has never meant array. It means all objects. Can you reach into a function with a square bracket? Yes, actually. You could reach in and grab its um, apply function that we looked at a few weeks ago. You could say name of function, open square bracket, string, apply, close square bracket. Hmm. Don't know why you'd want to, but you could. Okay. So the square brackets reach into a name value pair. So the name value pair can, if it's an array, the name is a number. So hence you see square bracket zero. If you reach into an object, the name could be booger. So you see square bracket boogers. Wait a minute. Did you just say the name is zero? Right, you so said it's an array a, is an object, saying, so it has... You just finished saying it was a named argument. So it's not the name. Arrays okay, don't an have array names. is where the names are numbers. An array is an object where the names are numbers. Is, is that a short, succinct... Well, then we have to dial back and say those are also named arguments. No? If you like. <laughs> I hate it when I wear people down until they agree with me to make me stop. <laughs> I well, shouldn't no, I mean, be beating on you yes, in your weakened state, but... I mean, yes, by how, a dictionary definition. How can I be 51 episodes in and not know that square brackets don't mean arrays? I mean, that's appalling. Do squiggly brackets mean arrays? No. They mean nope. where functions go. Well, but we create arrays using squiggly brackets. But create objects are... using squiggly brackets. Okay, I'm going to shoot myself. Let's move on. Moving on. Okay, I, I'm going to... I, well, I, yeah, I had an we? idea. But anyway, that's an okay. idea, not for now. So okay. I, I don't know why I said that out loud. Anyway, in my head, I've had an idea. Okay, so tell me where we are on the page now, so I can catch okay, up. Okay, so line 86 to 99 should be highlighted in yellow, and that's what we just talked through. Okay. And then if we scroll down to the next chunk of yellow, we have the bit where I need to check to make sure we don't have any duplicates. Is that line 154-ish? 150 down to 173, although an awful lot of that is uh, comments, uh, because obviously okay. I comment a lot. Yeah. Um, so this that underscore cell states is going to be our array that holds our list of allowed states. And I did ask you to also create a lookup table so that we could easily get from a value to a state. So we have our lookup table, which is this that underscore states by value. So what does that mean? So if we take the example of Game of Life, then our two states are true with the the value true with the label alive and the value false with the label dead. Yes? Yes. 
So states by value would allow us to say, if we look up true, we'll get back the alive state. And if we look up false, we'll get back the dead state. So we get the state by its value. I, I know I said we were going to move on, but I can't. Um, <laughs> you wrote this dot underscore scale cell states equals two square brackets. Then you wrote yes. this dot underscore states by value equals a squiggly bracket. Is the first yes. one creating? What are these two things creating? Objects, arrays, the, functions. What are they? The first one. So cell states is creating an array that contains nothing. And you created it using square brackets. And you just finished saying square brackets don't mean arrays. Okay. See why square brackets on their own. Yes. Okay. So a curly bracket attached to the end of a four is not the same as a curly bracket on its own. A square bracket stuck to the end of a variable name is not the same as a square bracket on its own. So what do these two things mean? This dot underscore cell, cell states equals open close square bracket. Is that an array called this dot underscore cell states? Yes. Okay, now we got this dot underscore states by value equals open close squiggly brackets. Is that, what is that? That is an object with no names and no values. That is an empty object. So we don't know what's going in there, but we somehow know by the square brackets that that is going to be an array, even though we just finished saying that's not how we... (sighs) Okay, Okay, right. Name of variable immediately touching its square bracket is generic to objects and arrays. On its own, without anything near it, square brackets means make me a new array, and squiggly brackets means make me a new object. Okay. Just like squiggly brackets shoved against a for loop doesn't mean the same thing as squiggly brackets on their own. Hmm. Does that make sense? Like, context is vital here. Yeah. So if you look on line 165, this that underscore states by value open square bracket. That's what I mean by, that's not on its own, right? That is stuck to states by value. Yes? No? I I'm, don't know where you mean. About three lines down from the squiggly brackets on their own. Oh, okay. And read it, read it again? So if type of this dot underscore states by value open square bracket. Mm-hmm. So that is different to this dot cell states equals an empty set of square brackets. So that's getting to the to the value of that object. So when you have a variable yeah, yes name and no. then a square bracket, yeah. yes, yes, no. yes, that's how you reach okay. in, yes. So the square brackets, when they're butted up to a variable name, means reach into that variable, which is an object, and grab out something. If it's an array, you're saying grab me out element zero. And if it's a regular object with just names and things, it's grab me the element named something. Okay. Yes? Yes. Okay. Um, so what we do is we loop through all of the cell states and we start to build up this lookup table. So we say if this.statesByValue open square bracket, so look into the lookup table, the value of the current state. If that's undefined, then that means we've never seen you before ever. Otherwise we have. And the reason I can say that is because if I have never seen you before, I'm going to store you. So I'm going to say uh, this.csc equals cs.clone. So we're basically clone the state so that we don't have spooky action at a distance. Um, then we shove it into the end of cell states. So this.cellstates.push shoves it into the end of the array. 
And then we say this does sell states by value, open square bracket, whatever the value is, becomes equal to our clone. Yeah. So if we have this value before, that's why the check works above it, right? Right, right. If we've, if, yeah, if you're undefined, we've never seen you before, so we save you. And if we have seen you before, throw new error. Because, well, I'm sorry, but you can only have one true, you can only have one false, you can only have one bugger, you can only have one snot. You get okay. the idea. Mm-hmm. So it reads slightly backwards, but that's kind of an annoying fact of how it is. I couldn't make it read forwards. <laughs> and that's, that's, all I had, that's all I had to change. <laughs> so at that stage, we have saved our list of states, right? You give me a list of states, I make sure they are all states, and I make sure that they are not duplicates, and I save them. I mean, it took a lot of code, but in English, that's all we did. Is that fair to say? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, now, we've just added a new property to our, 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 our prototype. So we need an accessor function that simply reaches in and grabs it out. So cell states is our accessor. So that's a copy-paste job from all the other accessors we've done before. And then what we don't have before is this idea of a function to say, give me the state based on a value. And so the idea would be that you could say my cellular automaton equals new cellular automaton and you pass it in, say, the states, okay, not so much, and no. And then you would be able, you, you want to be able to say, give me back the state that matches. Okay, let me, let me say that again. Actually, let's just use the game of life, then I don't have to remember things. Um, okay. So you would be able to say my game of life dot state from value true and it would return you the alive state. And you could say my cellular automaton dot state from value false and it would return you the dead state. Right. So that's all it has to do. And we've already written a lookup table that contains exactly that information. So all we're actually doing is just return the state underscore states by value val and we just have a little check in front of it to make sure they're not asking us for absolute garbage. Um, because the only values we're allowing are strings, numbers, and booleans. So we're just saying, look, if you haven't given me a string number or boolean, you're talking rubbish at me, so I'm going to return to you an error. I'm just going to throw an error. Otherwise, here's your value back. Have a nice day. Right, right. And then the hasState function is like a friendly wrapper that just basically says, I have one of those. It doesn't tell you what it is. It just says, do you have a state that equates to true? Yes, I do. Okay, thank you very much. It's really just you're calling your, your other function and basically saying, is it undefined? If it is undefined, false, otherwise true. Oh, okay. Okay. It's just another way of accessing the same information. It's, it's a convenience. So now we're ready to, impl- to be the policeman, right? We've now saved our set of states into our objects and we have the functions for reaching out and saying, give me the state for this. Do you have a state for this? So now we're ready to make our step function get very, very cranky if you don't do something that's valid. Uh, Okay, so where we left our code, we had decided that the step function had to return an object of type state, which is actually very cumbersome. So now that we have this wonderful function called state from value, we can be more forgiving and say that if you return me a value, I'll go look it up for you. Or you can give me a state, whatever you like. Hmm. So 
to be honest, that's a, a convenience. You're uh, perfectly happy to skip over that. It's not critical to the operation. What's critical to the operation is that we... Actually, there's one thing I do want to say. So this act, right? If someone... At the end of the day, you wanted to you want to figure out, did you mean alive or did you mean dead? And in our old way, we were being really, really strict about it. Uh, so we were saying, unless you give me an object of type state with the value true and the label alive, I am not going to believe you. But the automaton knows the two possible states that exist. So why is it being so darn persnickety? If I tell you true, is there any ambiguity on whether I mean alive or dead? Yeah, right, right. There's none. So really, we should be more forgiving. And that process of turning a value that's close enough into a value that's technically correct is called coercion in programming. So we're going to coerce true to become alive, and we're going to coerce false to become dead. And we can do that because we have our state from value function written. Why do we want to be more forgiving? Because, okay, so remember back to the definition, the part that the user of our API writes is the step function. So that's a bit that's being written not by you or me, but by the users of our API. So if we're going to be forgiving anywhere, it should be in the services we offer out to our users. So you're just saying if they're too lazy to write alive and they write true, then we're going to go, ah, we know what you mean. Yes. Yeah, that's it exactly. Uh, lazy, or we're going to be forgiving. Depends on how you want to phrase it. But ultimately, yes, that's exactly what we mean. Huh. Okay. I can see a lot of examples of where you'd want to do this. So uh, I'm, I'm with you. That one seems a little funny. It's like, you only have two things to give me. You, got, you, you can't get right. In this right. case, you only have two, right? But it, it's not always two, right? It's just Come in the game of life, up. it's two. <laughs> so anyway, we coerce if we can. And that's okay. all I've added in there. Oh, okay. And that's it, actually, right? So. That's it. That's all, Bart. I spent 10 hours. I got to the beginning of step three. That's it. That's all. (laughs) My favorite part of your instructions is how many times you say, finally, and then there's another thing after that. I'm very fond of that word, haven't I? Yeah, yeah. In in step uh, two or three, I forget which one, it says finally like four times. It's like, quit teasing me, Bart. I don't trust you anymore. Yeah, I was just going to say, and then the heading of the next section is a final example. (laughs) (laughs) liar but there's one after that (laughs) no no this is so to prove to you that we have made a generic cellular automaton i am we are going to build one web page which contains three different cellular automata wow one of them is going to be conway's game of life one of them is going to be a variant of conway's game of life which still uses the two states true and false or sorry alive and dead but it doesn't use Conway's set of rules. It uses a whole different set of rules. So the same two states, but different rules. And the third one uses three states mm. and a whole new set of rules. And it's called Brian's Brain. Which That's is hard funny. to spell. Brian's Brain? Yeah. I, I wonder how many times I've got that wrong. Yeah, I typo the crud out of that one. I probably have two, as I'll find out when I proofread these. So... We're going to start with a plain old HTML document, which could, which is going to do, it's going to load jQuery, it's going to load our API from GitHub, and then it's just going to contain some placeholders. So doc type, HTML head, blah, 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 title, nothing too exciting there. Script, type equals text, just JavaScript, source equals, and then the URL for jQuery. Mm-hmm. So that's nothing special. 
script, type equals text slash JavaScript, and then the URL to pull down challenge49 solution from uh, from GitHub. Just just pull it down. Don't download it. Just grab it straight from the web. Ah, That's just a lazy man. I've never seen that. cdn.rawgit.com. Yeah. Interesting. So everything you publish on Git can be accessed through a content delivery network called rawgit, which is so convenient. Yeah. If you don't want to bother downloading files, just link to it. Sure. It's brilliant. Uh, then we know that at some stage we're going to have to initialize our cellular automata. So we're going to need a document ready handler. So there's an empty jQuery document ready handler, which is, contains one comment, create cellular automata here, hmm. which we'll get right to in a moment. Okay. Um, and then I copied and pasted some really simple CSS from our previous example, just so that uh, our table has a one pixel solid black border and a margin of three pixels. And each individual cell is five pixels across. So five okay. pixels width and five pixels height. So that's just, I hope you'll agree with me. That's some very basic yeah. uh, CSS. Yep. Yeah. Then we just have a H1 tag that says three cellular automata. Then we have a H2 tag that says Conway's Game of Life. And then an empty div with an ID life container. And then we have a heading that says the maze rule. And then an ID that says maze container. Sorry, an empty div with an ID of maze container. And then a heading that says Brian's brain. And an empty div with the ID brain container. And that's all there is to it. Okay. So that is an empty HTML document that isn't all that exciting. So now let's make it do something. Okay. So we'll start on familiar territory with the game of life. So the game of life, what are what are its components? Well, we know that it has a set of allowed states, alive and dead. We know we're going to need a render function that renders aliveness one color and deadness another color. Mm-hmm. We know we're going to need a step function that implements the rules of Conway's game of life. And we know we're going to need a function to just randomly have every cell dead or alive when the thing starts up. So the set of cells, let's, let's declare those. Const life states equals open square bracket make me an array new state true comma alive new state false comma dead so that I have created an array with two elements an alive state and a dead state and I have given it the name life states I thought the uh, our cellular automaton uh, already had that as a default that's already in there. You are correct that it does have it as a default, but I'm figuring... So we don't need this. We don't need it, but sometimes it's better to write explicit code. You know, don't necessarily fall back on defaults, because what if the default changes in version 2 of the code? Whereas if I just write it, then it can't be changed behind my back. You can make an argument that I could just let the defaults happen. That I is mean, why did, why did we bother writing those defaults if people aren't going to use them? Darn it! Make them use them, Bart! Okay. Okay, we can agree to disagree on that. That's, yeah. that. That is a matter of taste. Um, So we need a render function. I've gone very boring. The value is true, make it be green, otherwise make it be red. That's that's a very boring render function. Uh, our step function for the game of life is copied and pasted straight from what we've been doing so far. Basically, we have a, f- we have a loop to count how many of our neighbors are alive. So... We then know how many live and dead neighbors we have. And then we can say, if we're currently alive, then if we have less than two neighbors, we die. If we have more than three neighbors, we die. Otherwise, we stay alive. Mm-hmm. That's the rules See, that we put in a long time ago. It's the rules we talked about before. Yeah, And yeah. if we're dead, then if there's exactly three neighbors, then we become alive. It, yeah, standard stuff. 
And then the last part is a, we need a random function that will return a random state to us. Um, so I called it random aliveness, and it simply says math.random, if it's less than 0.5, return life states element 0. Otherwise, return life states element 1 using your good friend, the ternary operator. So wait a minute, isn't... Um... Okay, I thought we had a random function in there too. That maybe might I also be that, the maybe I saw that. In that might be a default in there somewhere. I don't remember what it. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. What I may have defaulted yeah. them all to dead. Not sure. Okay. But anyway, this is a very very boring random function. Right. Yeah. So now we can create a cellular automaton. So we can declare a variable. Let life ca. We don't have to give it a value yet because the page hasn't loaded yet. So inside our document ready handler, we actually do want to make it. So we say life ca becomes equal to new bartofvisor.ca.automaton. First argument is where in the document do we shove this array? Do we shove this ah. cellular automaton? So it's dollar. So there's the ID of our div. So yeah, in other words, shove it into that div that we gave the wonderful ID life underscore container. Then the next two is the dimensions, 100 comma 200. So a 200 by 100 grid mm-hmm. um, grid. Uh, then the next thing is, what step function should we use? Well, what did we call it up above here? We called it life step. So let's call it life step. And then we have our array, our, our, <laughs> really wish you hadn't verbal typo that one. Yeah, then we have our object. Call, you better not call that an array. <laughs> yeah, of all, the, of all the, of all the, of all the verbos to make, that's the worst I could have you done could today. Just, you could feel my hand reaching through my microphone over the internet to grab you by the throat if that was an array. <laughs> nope, that is most certainly an object. And so we are specifying all three of the optional things. We're saying cell states, colon, life states. So I'm giving you a list of states. Allow alive and dead. Render function, render life. Initial state, random aliveness. So at that point, we've made the object. Then we say, set the auto step interval to be every 100 milliseconds. And then we say, lifeca.start. And hey, presto, we now have one of our three cellular automata up and running. So now we want to make another one. So we've used our, our prototypes to build one cellular automaton, but we can build many. So the maze function uses the same alive and dead states as game of life. So we don't need a new set of states because we can just use the same ones. We don't need a new render function because we can just use the same one. It's still alive and dead, so we can still go with green and red. Uh, but we definitely need a new set of rules because this is not the game of life. And we also don't need a new random function because we wrote one of those already. So what are the rules for the maze rule? There are only two of them. If I am alive, there must be between one and five neighbors who are also alive. Otherwise, I die. If I'm dead and I have exactly three live neighbors, then I come to life. Otherwise, I stay dead. Okay. So it's a very simple, if I'm alive, check this, otherwise check that. So we can code that up. So function maze step. Again, we count our neighbors using our little loop. And then we say, if the current state's value is true, then if I have greater than or equal to one alive neighbors or less than or equal to five alive neighbors, return true, otherwise return false. If I haven't returned yet, then I'm dead. So I say, if I have exactly three alive neighbors, return true. 
Otherwise, return false. So, right. is that okay? Yeah, yeah. Excellent. Okay. Uh, so now we can just call our, we can just update our code. So I've marked in yellow with the additions. So we had let life CA. Now we just say let maze CA. Then we have our call to the constructor. Life CA becomes equal to. Well, now we have maze CA. Oh, I'm out by one. I'll have to update my code there. So that should be highlighting from 20 on. Yeah. Uh, maze CA equals new bartvisor.ca.automaton. This time we say maze container. We're still going to go with 100, 200. But this time we say maze step not life step. But then it's all the same again. We say cell states, life states, render function, render life, initial state, random aliveness. Oh, and I'm out by two on the bottom. How the hell did I get that so wrong? <laughs> I will fix the highlighting. Um, and then the next one is also out by one. It should, it's out by two. It should say maze step becomes 100 milliseconds and start. They should be highlighted, not line 38. Right, right. I wondered about that. Yeah. Uh, so that's all we have to do for our second one. So now let's really shake things up with the third one. So Brian's brain doesn't have the concept of pretending to be alive or dead. It has the concept of pretending to be a brain. So every cell is a neuron. And a neuron can be in one of three states. Ready to fire, firing, or recharging. Hmm. A cell can only move through in a cycle. It can go from ready to firing to recharging, back to ready to firing to recharging, back to ready to firing to recharging. There's no other route possible. You always go from ready to firing, from firing to recharging, and from recharging back to ready. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. So you always go cyclically. A cell will only fire when exactly two of its neighbors are already firing. Hmm. So if we come to a time to calculate the next state, if two of my neighbors are firing now, then I'll fire next. Uh, so, but you don't know what state it's in. Well, no, you only know what state it's... No, 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 but if it's in... Sorry. Let me think. If it's in uh, recharging, it can't fire. It has to go to ready Correct. to fire first. Yes. Yeah, yes. Sorry, huh. I guess I could have written that slightly more well, no, no, yes. no, so no, 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 you didn't say it wrong. I just was thinking it through. Okay. Ah, okay, gotcha. So, yes. Uh, then the next rule is that when a cell fires... It stays in the firing state for exactly one step. So if I'm firing, then the next time around, without any thinking, I immediately go to recharging. I don't have to do any calculations. If I'm firing now, I'm recharging next. Mm -hmm. If I'm recharging, I do that for exactly one step as well. So if I'm recharging now, then I will be ready next. Okay. That's it. So first off, we need to write a new set of states. We can't use our old friend life states. We need a set of brain states. So const brain states equals open square bracket new state zero comma ready new state one comma firing and new state two comma recharging. What is zero one two? They're the values. So instead of using true or false, I can't use true or false for three possible states, right? Okay, but you could have used ABC. Uh yep. Okay. Booger's snot wiener. Okay. I don't know. Whatever you no. have in yourself. <laughs> okay. I like hot dogs. Okay. Anyway. Oh, I'm in a funny mood today. Um, so now we can write our set of rules. So our first rule is that if we're firing, we automatically move to recharging. So if the current state is 1, return 2. If we're recharging, we automatically move to ready. So if our current state is 2, we can automatically go to 0. 
So none of those involved any thinking. So let's just get them out of the way. If our current state is ready, then we have to go and count how many of my neighbors are currently firing, then decide what to do. So that's why I have them in that order. Yeah. It's just, we'll do the easy stuff and return. And if we haven't returned yet, then we have to say, let the number of firing neighbors equal zero. We do a for each loop to figure out how many of my neighbors are indeed firing. And then we can finally say, if the number of firing neighbors is two, yay, we get to fire. Otherwise, we stay where we are, return zero. So we stay ready. That's pretty easy. Pretty straightforward. So the last thing then is we need our coloring in function. We can't have only red and green because there are now three states. I figured yellow was a sane um, third color. Ready. Yeah, ready to go. Yeah, so yellow for ready, green for going, and red for recharging. By the way, um, just for future reference, uh, the color code FF9999 isn't red. That's like a fleshy pink color. We've well, talked- it's a reddish, yes. The red that doesn't look horrible against green. <laughs> yeah, that's I true. That's red. true. Red looks really bad against green. It makes your eyes yeah, kind of hurt. Okay. And I think in the very very early versions of our code, we did use the word red, and it looked like explodey eye. Yeah. Really yeah. Bad. Okay. So we toned it back a bit. Uh, so that gives us our render function, which is basically, we're just, you know, color it this way if it's this value, that way if it's the other value. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the last thing we need is a random function that randomly sets it to 0, 1, or 2. Or, or to ready, firing, recharging. And it's the very same, very, very similar idea. We're saying a math.random, which gives us an integer between 0 and 1. So we multiply that by 10,000. So now we have a really big number. We use math.round to make it into a whole number. And then we use Allison's favorite operator in the world, <laughs> the modulus. I actually get the modulus now. I do like the modulus. I'm, I'm, I'm at peace with Excellent. it. So that means that at that point in time, we have a random number between zero and two inclusive. So we use that as an array index for brain states. So in, it's inside the square bracket. So that's going to give us either brain states zero, brain states one, or brain states two. So in other words, randomly be firing, ready, or recharging. Does Got that make it. sense? Yep. So then we're ready to add our final cellular automaton in, and I didn't copy and paste all the code. I just put in the new bit. So let brain CA, and then we have brain CA equals new bartsfisher.ca.automaton. We use our brain container, 100, 200. We use brain step. This time we say style states, brain states instead of life states. Render function, render neuron instead of render life. Initial state, random brain state instead of random lifeness. And then we say brainca.autostep 100, brainca.start. And so if you open pbs51.html, you will see our three cellular automata. I didn't open pbs51 yet. Where is it? Is it my downloads folder? I've lost it. In pbs51.zip, I would assume. Yeah, it's still in there. Okay, here we go. This is very exciting for me. And nothing happens. Well, took a little while. Yeah, I maybe should have done fewer cells. I yeah. think I'm asking the browser to do too much, especially because I've forgotten we're, we're, we're on a recording app, so that's eating up our CPU as well. Yeah, the maze rule isn't doing anything. Brian's, yeah, so Brian's the, okay, so the property of maze rule is that it very quickly settles into a stable state. And that stable state will look vaguely like a maze. So the game of life keeps moving. But the maze settles down really quickly. So after two or three iterations, it stops animating because it's, it's stuck in a stable state. Oh, it always falls to a stable state quickly. So it behaves really differently. 
And then the last one just looks completely different because we've got three colors now. Yeah, and not a lot of cells firing. They're they're but they're moving in waves around. That's pretty fun. Yeah, so Brian's brain is not all that active. <laughs> well, maybe you just started him wrong. Hmm. Actually, I, I I made a mistake in my code at one point, and everything turned that fleshy color. And I told I told Dorothy, I said, "Wow, that's amazing! That random function just happened to pick all the cells the flesh color." <laughs> Oh, the probability is 100 by 200. Oh, that's a, that's, <laughs> I know, that's was, atoms in the universe. It was pretty amazing that it happened. You yeah. know, it couldn't possibly be a failure of my code. <laughs> no, definitely not. <laughs> well, that's gratifying to see those three. That's a really fun way to close it out, Bart. I like that. Okay, good. Because I, I really wanted to, to, you know, I keep on telling everyone that, a, you know, a cellular automaton is generic. It's not only the game of life. That's just a famous cellular automaton. Well, there, there's your proof now. You have three. And actually... There are so many variants of the maze rule and so many variants of the game of life, you just wouldn't believe it. There's actually a nomenclature for them. (laughs) Like, there's actually a way of naming them that follows rules and stuff. There's so many of them. Wow. So if if people want to get stuck in, um, I think the first time I mention the maze rule, I'll give you a link to a really nerdy page that's full of all the different descriptions of all the different rules that are based on game of life. Very cool. Oof. All right. Well, you my made voice it is so run out. <laughs> I made it through just about. I won't be able to speak tomorrow, but that's okay because I'm not podcasting again for two weeks. Okay, good, good. So um, now do we have a challenge while, we're, while I'm on vacation? Because I'm not doing anything while I'm in Paris. I got news for you. I was going to say, you made that very clear to me. So I figured what we might do to challenge people is, so one thing you could do if... If you're really excited by the concept of playing around with these different cellular automata, why not check out all the other rules that exist? So all the other variants and play with those. That's a that's a valid challenge to do. Or you could do what we did last week. Sit yourself down with that same blank page I started with and without the extra stress of an audience, try build a thingy for rendering variables like I did. So try solve the same problem as we did in episode 50, but, you know, on your own. And you start with the blank page and see how you go. <laughs> or start with the blank page and implement one of the other, um, the, one of the other variants of the maze rule. Or one of the other variants of Game of Life. Or, you know, in fact, you can even experiment with it, right? So you might decide that if in Conway's Game of Life, it's if you have three neighbors, you come back to life. Well, what happens if you change that to two? What happens if you change it to four? So you can play around all these rules. You can just make up your own rules. So either of those are are, are good ways to to challenge yourself while Alison is out, you know, drinking really nice French wine and eating bread, whatever, whatever, whatever floats your boat. (laughs) All right. Well, that uh, that sounds cool. So I see our next time for those people who are watching the uh, current clock and not listening to this years in the future. I don't Mm -hmm. think this will happen again until the end of March. So it's actually one, two, three, four weeks away. That is exactly what I would expect as well. Yeah, the 31st. We sneak in right at the end. There we go. So technically getting two of these in one month. That'll be fun. So, all right, Bart. Well, oh, yeah. is there anything else they need to know before we uh, we sign off? Oh, you know, just have fun and do some lots of happy computing. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Chit Chat Across the Pond. This show is not supported by ads. It's supported by you. If you learn from the show, or even if you're just merely entertained by the shows, please consider supporting the show. If you go to podfeet.com, there's a big red button in the top banner that says support the show. 
If you click it, that will reveal to you several ways to contribute. You can pledge a monthly amount using Patreon. You can use the Amazon affiliate link for your country. You can make a one-time donation using PayPal. Or you can record a listener review, which is an awesome way to contribute. You can always chat directly with me via Twitter at Podfeet or email me at allison at podfeet.com. You can join the conversation in Facebook by going to podfeet.com slash Facebook or on Google Plus at podfeet.com slash Google Plus. Thanks for listening and stay subscribed.